all of the women who have led us, who've sheltered us, who've cared for us, protected us, mentored us, shown us kindness, forgiveness, and love, we want to honor you today. Thank you for being a light, for being our backbone, and for being our strength. Today we're going to be talking about parenting, and we're in this series of seven elephants, and the third elephant that we're talking about is parenting is hard. But to start off, I thought we needed to have a little bit of fun, because, you know, being a parent, there are hilarious things that happen being a parent, and we can all laugh at some of the crazy things of parenting, such as this. You go to put your child to sleep, you've worked so hard, and then you go to lay them down, and that's how it feels, right? They're going to wake up screaming any moment after all that hard work. Or I'm a parent, I have three kids, and um, sometimes, you know, getting them into the car felt like this. If you have more than three kids, God bless you. So, and, and then I never knew what to say when people asked what my hobbies are. I mean, I'm a mom. I enjoy trips to the bathroom alone and in silence. Yeah, you guys get that. And then I'm a, a mom of twins, and so other twin parents, I see you out there. I see you. <laughs> You know, um, and then if you're potty training your kid right now, um, you know somebody that's potty training your kids, you, you know this, like, it's urgent, run, okay, go now. You know, where's the quickest bathroom? And, um, and then this actually, you know, happened to us. Um, somebody gave my child a whistle and they brought it to the car. And we're in traffic and this is exactly what we thought, <laughs> you know. I love being a parent. I absolutely love being a parent. It is rewarding. It is exciting. It has been an adventure. It has had its really intense moments. We now have three adult children. One is married, and she's in her career. And last weekend, we got to watch her walk across the stage for her college graduation diploma. And it was just surreal. It really was just a surreal moment of we've launched this kid. And then we have twins. We had three kids in one year. We had um, one and, and then twins later. And our twins are home with us this summer. And it's really fun with them. They are in a magical place where they're in love and they're exploring, you know, new friendships and they're exploring like what it means to be who they are as young adults. And, and it's just really, really cool. And children are this neat blessing to us. Yet it goes really fast. It does. And if you're in the midst of it, I know you're thinking, yeah, this is not happening very fast. But, but when you look back, you blink. It feels like you blinked and, and then it's gone. Scott shared earlier in a series that God invites us to be co-creators, co-designers, creating more people and designing a peaceful world. I absolutely love this because we get to be a part of creating and establishing our, our Lord's kingdom here on earth. And, and part of this is through parenting, of raising up this next generation, whether they're in our home or they're, they're out there and around us. But raising children can be hard. And any parent who tells you differently is either pregnant with their first, has no children, or clearly has a case of amnesia. 23 years ago, after seven years of infertility, I so badly wanted a baby. I, I was bargaining with God. I was begging. I was pleading. There was a lot of tears during this time. And, and I would look around and see people just were like dropping out babies. Like they'd sneeze and they'd have a baby. And, and um, it, it was really hard. And I lost my mind 
during that time. I really did, and part of it was because of the medication, because it causes you to go into altered states. But then another part of it was this deep insecurity that I had, that I, I wasn't good enough if I didn't you know, birth a baby, and that I thought that there was like these supernatural blessings of those that were able to birth children. And, you know, and I realized that was so not the case, but that was that religious burden, that insecurity that I was living with. And, and I just felt like I was the biggest failure ever. Like, this body can't produce a baby. Like, are you kidding me, God? You know, what's up with that? And so from the very beginning, the idea of parenting was really hard. Well, eventually, we had our family. And we, like I said, we had three girls in one year. We had one, and then 11 months later, had another one, um, and it, that was difficult enough, you know, to have a, an infant in the home and, and then newborn children, but they also came to us sick, and this was really tricky for us because, you know, we're young and we're learning a new medical terminology that we didn't know. We were navigating hospital visits, machines, and medications, and, and, and it was hard, and, and again, I would look around and go, these parents are just leaving the hospital with their baby in, in no time, and, and what did we do wrong? You know, what is up with this? And then it wasn't just, you know, the, the sickness that made it hard not to compare myself to others, but then there was this financial issue that we had. Our medical bill was literally close to a million dollars. My husband kept the stack of bills like this thick, and and it was pretty intense. And a social worker had come up to us at one point and said, you know, most people file medical bankruptcy during this time. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we have, we are educated people. And why is this happening to us? You know, we, I thought we were doing everything right. And, and it was really tough not to compare myself to other people. So the babies came home. And, and eventually I said, you know, I got to read because I really have no clue what I'm doing. You know, the first part of this hasn't turned out so well, so let's start reading. And a book that was really popular at that time, some of you guys will remember it, was um, Raising Kids God's Way, I think. And, and so I read that and I thought, huh, I don't think this is going to work for the Vasquez family. And, and then there was another one that was, um, you know, uh, Raising Kids the Right Way. And and I, I read that, and I thought, I, I'm not so sure about that. And then I read other books that actually did kind of make sense to us, and it was, um, no matter what you do, make sure you set aside money because your kids are going to need counseling regardless. <laughs> and, and that one resonated with me. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. But this whole idea of parenting was really tricky. And, and so we got through those early years. We did. And then we needed to register our girls for kindergarten. And mind you, I was so excited. We got to this point. Our kids are alive. They're doing well. Like, this is good. And so I called up the registrar, and we had just moved to the valley. And she had said, uh, make sure you get there a little bit early. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So, you know, get there a little bit early. And I, I go to park, and I'm seeing that the line is literally all around, like, the block. Like every, you know, 120 parents were already there. And I was there about 20 minutes early. So I, I get out of my car and I start talking to people because that's just what I do. And, and these women, they had this great little setup, a little barista section here. And they're offering me a cup of coffee and I'm taking it and I'm talking to them. And I said, so by the way, what time did you get here? And this one woman, she goes, oh, we got here at 6 a.m. And I'm like, oh, that's early. You know, okay, clearly I'm missing something on this parenting of kindergartners, you know, registration. So I start doing what I call the walk of shame to the very end 
of the line there. And, you know, of course, I'm comparing myself. Like, if I can't even do kindergarten registration right. Like, how am I going to do the next 12 years of their school? It was crazy. There's this hilarious movie that um, I saw in the 80s, and this was the uh, early 2000s when I was parenting, but I think it still runs true today. Let's check it out. What about uh, a week from Wednesday for Junior Symphony? No, 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 Nicole has drama on Wednesdays. Ah. Ben's got his playgroup in French on Monday, Jimboree on Tuesday, computer readiness on Thursday. What about Friday? After violin, but before his shrink. Perfect. Cosby, go play in the sandbox. Here. <sighs> what is wrong with you? You look awful. We heard from Dalton. Crosby didn't get in. Oh, no. no. I'm so upset. <laughs> if she doesn't get into the right preschool, she's not going to get into the right kindergarten. If she doesn't get into the right kindergarten, I can forget about a good prep school and any hope of an Ivy League college. Honey, that is so devastating. I just don't understand it. Her resume was perfect. Her references were impeccable. Dennis is going to kill me. Excuse me, uh, I heard you talking about preschools, and I was just wondering, what age do they actually start? I, I, I forget. Well, it depends. Two and a half, three. Oh, yeah, and are the good schools, are they hard to get into? <laughs> hard? <laughs> are you kidding? I've had Alexis registered at the preschool for performing arts since birth. He's already on the waiting list for Dalton. So if we're not on the waiting list or something by now, I and mean, it's like... You, or the... you can forget about it, honey. Mom? Hi, honey. Doesn't the sky look just like Caesar's Bay of Marseille? Gee, it does. Oh, Ben, that is a terrific observation. Go play, honey. You, they teach Suzanne in preschool? Well, no, actually, Ben is a graduate of the center. Oh, that's an idea for you. Really? The center? Now, what is that? It's a week-long, intensive training program that literally teaches you how to multiply your child's intelligence. Uh -huh. When we first went there, Ben, he could barely speak. By the time we left, he was reciting the Raven. What kind of classes do you have your daughter in now? Oh. <laughs> None. Not even a mommy and me. No. Not Jimboree. Not reading readiness. Nothing. Child can't even hold a cup. Ooh, the other babies are way ahead of her. I thought I had problems. Yeah, it was hilarious. But you know, the politics of parenting is real. And I, I call it parking lot politics when you drop off your kids to school and then you go out and you, you huddle in the parking lot. It, it is so hard not to compare yourself with other people. Have any of you ever compared yourself to others and wondered if you were doing it right? I found the majority of the trials that I had were because of this comparison 
that I was going through. You know, middle school had its challenges. There are so many options in this town from public school to private school to charter school to home school. And did we pick the right school? And then high school, I literally felt like we barely survived. You know, there is all kinds of classes that kids are to take and what club sport is the best and did they get into that club or this club and, and what are their SAT scores going to be and what colleges are they looking at and, and heaven forbid if you don't get into the right college. And these are real conversations that so many of us are having. And, you know, college season has had its own unique growth as I watch my kids start really wrestling through what, what is their career going to be and are they making the right choices. Through it all, I have found that comparison is the thief of joy. Not comparing myself into other parents is the only way that I can stay sane and, and stay stable because, you know, when we're comparing ourselves to others, we're not looking at what is it that the Lord wants for us. What is it the Lord wants for us and our family? Instead, we're looking out at the Joneses all around us. I took a poll these last couple of weeks. I sent it out to a whole bunch of my friends in different text message groups. And I said, so what, what is the hardest part of parenting? And, and resoundingly over and over, they said, the hardest part was not to compare with other families. One parent said, peer pressure from other parents and feeling like I was doing it wrong or getting caught up in keeping up. One mom said, knowing that my imperfection brings them pain. These are real themes in our, in our parenting that, that make it hard for us. But that number one of comparison, we've got to learn how to stop it. We've got to learn that the joy of the Lord is our strength and what it's going to get us through in this comparison game that we're playing. There's this verse in Ephesians that I absolutely love that I think is, is leading us into an, a better way to parent in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, and this could be parents to all parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. When we're exasperated, when we're frustrated, you know, it's really easy to have these high expectations on our kids. I come home from work and the house is not how I left it. Whew, that can be really tough. I have expectations that I have of my kids, you know, but the that doesn't mean that we can't parent. That doesn't mean that we can't tell our kids no and tell them to clean up after ourselves. But what does the second part of that verse mean? So what does it mean to bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord? Matthew 22, there is this man that um, he went to Jesus and, and he said in 30, verse 37, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We are to be teaching our children how to love. This love of God and this love of one another is the starting point, the foundation for a successful life for our kids. 1 Corinthians 13 lays out this beautiful map. <clears throat> It says, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and now I will show you the most excellent way. So right before this verse, the author is talking about we're in this one body of Christ. And some of us are feet, some of us are hands, you know, different parts of the body, but we make up one body of Christ. We are raising our children to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of this world. And there is an excellent way for us to do this, for us to live it out. And that way is love. 1 Corinthians 13 goes on to say, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This idea of love is in the scripture over 800 times. And if anything's in a book that many times, I think we need to pay attention to it. What is this saying? What can this teach us? So instead of comparing to others and focusing only on, you know, grades and sports and college and, and what others are doing, what if we started with love? So what does that look like? Now, the first one that they listed off is love is patient. And as parents, you have so many opportunities to practice this one, right? Lots of opportunities. So for me, there was one, my daughter was a senior in high school. And she, we had spent years with our kids in sports, and they loved sports, and we loved it. And, and she had played hard, and I, as a mom, loved watching her play. I loved it. I had so much fun doing it. And so she had applied to all these colleges, and she was getting in, and this one college said, yes, you can come play ball with us, um, and we're actually going to give you pretty close to a full-ride scholarship. So mom and dad are like, cha-ching, this is awesome, this is so great. She goes, and she visits the school, and she comes back, and... I'm in the kitchen at this point in time, and so my back is to her, and I'm, you know, scrambling something on the stove. And she goes, hey, Mom, I don't want to take that scholarship. I don't want to go to the school. So for me, patience in that moment actually looked like this. I thought my child had lost her mind. She did, but I needed to go, and I needed to be with Jesus. I needed to stop what I was doing at that moment and say, hey, hon, we'll talk about this later. You know, let, let's get dinner going. And I needed to go recenter myself because my joy at that point was in watching her play. I was super excited. And, you know, financially it was a big deal, but I needed to listen to her. And she actually had made the most excellent choice. And when we listened and we heard her reasons, we knew that we needed to go with that. Now, she was a part of that financial decision. She was a part of making it work for all of us. It wasn't like we just laid back and go, okay, whatever, you can do whatever. But she was a part with us. But I had to lead in being patient or else I might have completely shut her down. Love is kind. So any of you throw tantrums? I know I've thrown tantrums, especially in my car. <laughs> you know, um, people are in my way. My kids happen to be in the back seat. Yeah, let's not throw tantrums. You know, or when I'm in one of those moods where I want to be really sarcastic because it's funny, you know, um, but it's always at the, the expense of somebody else. You know, just practice being kind. Practice random acts of kindness and allow your children to see you being kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't want what it does not have. You know, pretty much don't be a jerk when you lose and teach your kids not to do the same. You know, when you don't get something that you don't want, how can you not envy that? How can you just be respectful? Love does not boast, doesn't strut, show off. You know, let's be humble. And, and I've been really wrestling through this lately with social media. Social media is a big deal in our world, and, and I really like to boast. I like to show off, like, look what I'm eating, look what I'm doing, look at my kids, look at my friends. And, and so I started thinking through that. So what does it look like on social media not to, to boast? You know, this king of the mountain game, um, one up in it. It just seems I see it out there. And I thought, what if I just started championing other people? So it wasn't about me, look at me, but instead it was like, look at the good 
that's happening in the world. Instead of needing to get my opinions out there, that I was really intentional of listening to others on social media. Love is not proud. I don't have a swelled head. You know, there's this idea in elementary school of the sloppy copy. Your kids are doing an essay and they go and they, they turn it in and their peers and their teacher all edit it and then it comes back and they're to learn to hear feedback. And that's so that they can make tweaks so that they can get it better and, and do well. I have a, one of my favorite authors, I was at a conference of hers and so she had turned in her work. Now she was a best-selling New York Times list author and she had many books on that list. So she, this wasn't her first rodeo, and she was turning in her book. And she turned it in and she was thinking to herself, you know, they'll probably have a few tweaks, but I know what I'm doing by now. Well, she got it back and there was over a thousand edits and they actually canceled a whole chapter of her book and, and pretty much said, yeah, th this ain't gonna work. And so she said at first her pride, you know, got stuck a little bit and, and then she realized she wanted to stay on that best-selling list and that she needed to listen to feedback. Are we listening to feedback and are we modeling that with our kids? Love does not dishonor others. Don't force yourself on others. You know, there's a lot of talk in the media right now that no means no, and it definitely does. So physically honor other people, but also verbally. How are we engaging in conversation? How do our kids see us engaging in conversation? Are we belittling our speech if someone disagrees with us? You know, we're all really smart people, right? We're all smart and we all have these brilliant ideas and we come from this worldview, many of us as Christian worldview, that, that we got the answers, we got it right. But what happened if we were to honor one another and we as a full Christian community listened to others and said, I honor you, I honor your thoughts and your ideas and I don't wanna hear where you got, where you're at right now Maybe then they'll start listening and we can have really great dialogue by honoring one another. Love is not self-seeking. You know, we don't always have to be first, first at everything. Be willing to be second. Can you be a supporting character in somebody else's role? It's really cool when you can do that. You know, we want to teach our children not to be gossips and not to be rude and, and not to always, like, make everything about them. And, and we've got to be doing the same thing. Love is not easily angered. Don't throw tantrums, like I said before, but have self-control on it. You know, find a better way to respond. Stay calm. Let's all sort through our own junk. You know, meditation has really helped with that and meditating on the scripture. So you, you take that angry thought and you actually replace it with God's truth in your life. And love keeps no record of wrongs. And I really find this one just phenomenal and tricky to do. You know, when people wrong us, when people hurt us, we get a whole long list of things why we do not want that person in our lives. And, you know, and there are healthy boundaries and there's toxic people that we don't want to be with, but we need to learn how to engage in a loving way, how to lovingly have boundaries, how to lovingly engage when we want to just run. And, and teaching our children how to make up when a friend is irritating to them is really important. But we've got to be making up with our friends when they irritated us. We want our kids to be in a lasting, long relationship. And we want to be in lasting, long relationships. So we've got to learn to let it go and hold no record of wrong and see the God image in them and, and learn to wrestle through um, issues and be agents of reconciliation. That's really what this is all about is it's letting go of resentment 
and knowing that the Lord doesn't hold any record of wrongs with you. This lack of love, truly, if you could summarize it, is being focused on yourself. We can help our children to be the best. We can help them to love. I'm not talking about being a wallflower and saying you can't win because you know what? Winning's pretty awesome. And, and being the best is pretty incredible. And we want to celebrate that. But we want to have our foundation of leading with love. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. Let's parent as adults, not children. Let's practice this love. I really believe that God has put us in these family units. You know, he's pretty darn creative. He could have put us in any kind of unit out there, but he put us in this family unit. And this is our opportunity to be practicing this way of love, of loving God and loving one another. And, and in return, can you imagine when our kids go out into the world and then they're in a, a body and a church and in all these areas where we are practicing love that is the most excellent way. A little bit of God's kingdom of heaven comes down here on earth. When I'm focused that my main goal is to raise children who love God and I'm modeling this, it takes away that sabotage of comparison because my eyes are not on what everybody else is doing. Instead, my eyes are on the Lord. And okay, Jesus, I need you to walk me through this situation. Only Jesus can bring me security. My kids can't. Only Jesus can give me the peace, that lasting peace and joy. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I call this the Philippians standard. To dwell, we must stop, we must linger, pay attention, be careful, rest. Take time to focus on what is the truth. What is the truth that God has for you and your family? Keep that at the forefront of your mind. Our children leave our home really quickly. Remember when I said that teaching them how to love one another takes intention and guidance? Well, part of that teaching is our showing. When we start modeling it, when we're living it out, this is the most excellent way. Stopping by comparison, instead, we need to ask ourselves, am I demonstrating love right now? Love to God and love to the world, and am I helping my child with this? I want to end with a poem that um, is by a, an unknown author. It's an adaptation, and, and I absolutely love it. It's called Walk a Little Slower. Walk a little slower, said a little child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, for you are leading me. Your friends don't really matter in what their children do. Just walk a little slower so I can follow you. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I'll want to be. Then I will have a little child who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right, to lead with love and care, and know that you have taught me this, as you are the one who led me there. This journey of parenting, it is messy. It is hard. It is tricky. There are times when we will say, I just don't know what to do. But let's keep our eyes focused on who we are in Christ, what he wants for us, what he wants for our unique individual family, because every family is different. My twins are home this summer, and, and I so love it. But you know what? My house is going to be a little bit messier. 
There's going to be uh, meal planning once again and, and scheduling and who's doing what car, but I don't want to miss this. They are such joy, and they are showing me now so much of who Christ is, and I, and I couldn't be more excited to have them in my life because I know it goes fast. So let's walk a little slower. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for creating us all so different and unique. Please tear down these strongholds of comparison and replace them with your security. You have a plan and purpose for each of us that probably looks very different from one another. Be with us during these difficult times. Guide us. May we seek out your plan for us and look to you for our guidance and our wisdom. And may we remember to show the same love that you have shown to us, Lord. Sacrificially giving, sacrificially loving our family, you and those around us. In your name, amen.